2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S., designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, you're listening to Into It from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. And my guess is a lot of listeners to this show are getting reacquainted with Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte right now. We kissed in the elevator mm-hmm. three weeks ago at work and wound up back at my place. I am so, so happy for you, Carrie. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? How do you phrase it when you have trouble down there? I don't know. I have nothing but good news down there. The gang is all here for the second season of the Sex and the City reboot. It's called And Just Like That. You might have heard about it by now. It's a big deal. And even Samantha shows up at some point for this season for like half a second. As with the first season of And Just Like That, the main characters are joined this time by a lot of new friends. Friends who aren't white. Friends who aren't cisgender. A lot has been made of this you were most likely sucked into the discourse around Che Diaz the first time around. You know Che, the queer, non-binary, Latinx comedian slash podcaster. I know that no one person can represent all the genders and sexual orientations or an entire race, and I, I fully acknowledge that we are complicated, diverse beings. Seemed everyone, at least on Twitter, totally hated them. But I kind of just wondered why they were there at all. So today, I'm going to talk to a writer from and just like that and ask her, does a show like Sex in the City to exist in 2023, does it need to do all the diversity? Does it make the show better or worse or something else? And could a show like the original Sex in the City, as white and as privileged as it was, could it even exist today? Okay, I'm going to answer the third question first. Yes. And say that succession is (laughs) sex in the city on steroids with no boning. (laughs) You know what I mean? We it's don't so police true. we don't police like the prestige stuff in this way. That is the voice of Samantha Irby, New York Times best-selling author and writer on And Just Like That. We talked this episode about when to change a white show to DEIify it, as I say, or when to just let it stay white. All that and more after this break. Fox Creative. 
This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you, you belong, and I'm telling you, you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. In a true twist of fate for Sex in the City, there are black people this time. I think yes. that deserves that deserves noticing. <laughs> it does. The major criticism, like the major posthumous criticism of the old show, was that there were no people of color in this New York City show. I don't see color. I see conquest. Let's talk about affirmative action. And now there are a few uh, girl there's well there, listen y'all got more than one black friend this time i said okay NAACP, come through i mean al sharpton please look at these scripts no i'm just kidding um <laughs> but like yeah there's no way to do that that's not awkward you're the professor yeah you're naya wallace <laughs> why do you seem so surprised Well, your braids. A law professor can't have hair like mine? Why is that? There's unfortunately some explaining you got to do, some hand-holding to get them in. And people acted so weird about it. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, I, I have learned to laugh at this stuff now before I just think, how can I convince them that I'm actually good and, like, here was my intent? You know, I just want to explain, well, what we were trying to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. now I just mostly 
try to laugh, but Mm -hmm. it is very easy to find a lane to wiggle into of like what's wrong with it and then yell at the person you think is at fault. So obviously it is my fault everything the black people do. people yes. in the room. I want to talk more about the introduction <laughs> of diversity on the show, but first I want to like have you explain mm-hmm. to our listeners what it actually means and entails to be a writer on the TV show like and just like that. How well, does it work? How did they get okay. you? What happened? Tell us. Okay. First, let me just say that this is the I've written on several TV shows. This is by far the biggest with the okay. biggest reach. Okay. And I quite enjoyed working on niche shows that were for a very <laughs> specific audience who's gonna love it no matter. There you go. What. Yeah. Tuka? 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 Oh yeah. I miss you. Birdie. Birdie. So this show, I typically, somebody will contact my agent and say, we want to talk to Sam, or we had a meeting with Sam six months ago and this project came up. Does she want to work on it? This time, Michael Patrick King, who is the creator and showrunner and executive producer, reached out to my agent and said that he had read my book, Wow, No Thank You, and wanted me to work on this show. And wow. I, I mean, Sex in the City came out when I was 19. I couldn't afford cable. So I bought the VHS tapes oh my goodness. from like Circuit City when they came out. Not and, even like, Best my, Buy, Circuit City. <laughs> the Circuit City was close, was easier to get to. Um, so I was like, you're lying. What does he want me to do? Like, pick up the discarded songs or whatever. (laughs) And (laughs) Jason was like, no, no, no. He would like you to write on, they're rebooting the old show. He wants you to write for it. And I was like, oh, yes, I will clear everything in my schedule. Yes. So I had to have an interview over Zoom with Michael. And as soon as the Zoom screen came up, we were just like old friends. And he was like, do you want to do this job and i was like yes and i didn't uh-huh. think i didn't think they would actually let me cuz you know if you read my work <laughs> you're just like <laughs> i just imagined him being like what is this disgusting person going to well, contribute it's like- well, it's like when I think of your writing and the prim and properness of Sarah Jessica Parker, they're two opposite poles, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Sarah Jessica Parker would never talk to you about her bowel movements. Never. never. She's like perfect and nice and funny. And I truly was like worried about offending her with the things I was suggesting. I tried to get uh, Carrie to poop. <laughs> we couldn't do that, but I did get both pee and vomit, which for me... That's a win. Oh, no, Carrie. You're peeing. I am? Yes. I mean, that's my legacy in this <laughs> there show. There you go. No matter I love what. It. No matter what, you did that. 
So then tell us what it's like once you are asked to write on a show like this. You go into a writer's room. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know how writer's rooms work. When you're in there, are you part of every word and every scene? Are you on certain episodes? Are you quality control? Are you at like, what do you do? How does it work? Uh, Tell me. Okay, Sam, you are being very generous and thinking that someone might make me quality (laughs) control. I'm the person they have to call quality control on. So our room was over Zoom. Okay. So the way this room worked, they're all different, but the way this room worked is Michael had the scaffolding of a season already mapped out Mm -hmm. and it's like well these are the things i've decided must be in the show so we gotta hit this like let's say for season one uh big's gotta die miranda (laughs) has to have sex with a non-binary person Uh over the arc of the season these things are going in how do we get them in and what do we put around them and so you just sort of start talking your way through each episode and everybody's throwing out truly blue sky ideas what if uh carrie fainted while donating plasma you know what i mean like that's a thing i would say that's not anything a professional would say (laughs) and so everybody's throwing things out there's someone um our writer's assistant was named is is she's still alive is named rachel (laughs) Uh and she types everything everyone says i don't know how she does it wow she is a miracle worker she types up everything everyone says over the course of these five hours that we're working and then at the end of every day you get all the notes from the day and you can read them and think about things to say the next day or like this mm-hmm. sparked an idea. I think we should do this. No, what if we did that? And the things we're saying on this show don't apply this to any other things I've worked on, but so much of them came from our real lives. Like Carrie huh. had hip surgery because Kelly in oh. the writer's room had hip huh. surgery. Okay. Okay. You know, it really yeah. is like, this thing happened to me, let's put it in. I, for example, saw a video (laughs) going around on Twitter of a person in a Chucky costume attacking people on the subway. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, let's put it in. (laughs) Well, I didn't even dream that I could. I just sent it like, oh, hey, this is where you guys live. It sucks. Then Michael was like, I want to put that in the show. And I was like, oh, my God, can we put it in the show? I love it. (laughs) Take that, devil doll. This shit's crazy. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? okay. I, 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 I was unclear to me whether that was a white savior moment or not. And then he did, he fought for it to get into the show. Hell which yeah. Felt very special yeah. to me. So then over the course of all these days, you can see storylines putting themselves together. You kind of have the goals mapped out. You know where everybody's going to end up. And then over days and days of talking and fighting and debating and more fighting, Mm -hmm. um, we get, you know, like an outline cobbled together for each episode. And then everyone gets their episode assignments. So for season one, I wrote episode five. Season two, I wrote episodes five and seven. 
Gotcha. And then you take all of the notes. So everybody's sort of in everybody else's script because we all came up with the ideas. But then it's my job to to go through the notes, flesh it out, and make it an episode. Okay. So you're in this writer's room Mm -hmm. making the next chapter of an iconic show that you and a lot of people love. And perhaps the biggest difference between the original Sex and the City and this show and Just Like That is the diversity, which you have alluded to. Mm-hmm. like, And Just Like That is decidedly not too white. Yes. There are characters of color everywhere with like black hair like (laughs) like they're they're doing it like they're doing the research there are queer characters non-binary characters and the white women who made it from the first series to this one they are much more than in the original aware of their whiteness and almost Uh apologizing for their privilege Mm -hmm. all of that the whole (laughs) deification of carrying them Was it by design? Was it just a reality of making any show in 2023? Was it something in between? Like, how purposeful was that? Well, in my initial interview, Mm -hmm. Michael already had these characters. They had names. So, Naya. You signed up for this class because I'm black? Well, not just because you're black. I picked this class because... You're such a force in academia. Lisa Todd Wexley. Oh, she is a documentarian and a humanitarian. Seema. I, her name wasn't Seema. Seema. That's such a pretty name. It means boundary in Hindi. Oh. Which is hilarious because I have none. <laughs> and Che. And queer, non-binary, Mexican, Irish diva representing everyone else outside these two boring genders. Michael had conceptualized all of them before we even started, right? And so we got to help shape them. Let's see if I can give an example. Um, Naya, for instance. We knew she was going to be a lawyer who was a professor at Columbia, and she was going to be married but with no children. So Mm -hmm. then I said, well, what if she's the kind of person who married her college sweetheart and has only seen his penis (laughs) (laughs) and she wants to see others Uh you know so we got to do like that kind of the texturizing the layering the things that make people people but when we started he already was like i am committed to these characters they're in okay we're doing it and yeah. what was he saying? Was he like, this show needs to do it? It was too white? Or was he just like, oh, it's, a new, it's a new decade, new phase, new chapter? I th- he just said, like, new phase, new chapter. But I'm sure, you know, there's it's impossible. And this is the thing I learned working on a big show. It's impossible to dodge criticisms of something this big, even if you're not on the internet at all. <laughs> it's virtually mm-hmm. and either people send you things or you just you hear someone on a radio you pass by saying something. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he knew and they all were aware and it was a decision coming in to kind of widen the circle of widen these the ladies. Yeah. When he was telling you this when he's explaining that who these characters are going to be for the new show were there any of them where you're like, baby, that's too far. We are not going to have her in a kente cloth uh, teaching 
<laughs> teaching Carrie how to make Kwanzaa cake. No, baby, no. Like, was it in it? Like, were there moments like that? No. Okay. I okay. don't know if. I mean, Michael used to do stand up, so he's like pretty, like funny and irreverent. Okay. But I think even he. You know, he has, like, tons of black friends. And, like, okay. RuPaul is one of his best friends, right? Okay, okay. So, he so he's know- not blind. He knows. Okay. He knows. <laughs> he knows yeah. us. Right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Which of the new non-white characters, one, did you have the biggest hand in? And two, do you like the most? I think, and you'll see it in the second season, Naya has a lot of Sam Irby things happen to her. Naya's a little messy. Like, Naya early on gets a little too drunk, FaceTimes when she shouldn't. I'm like, I feel this energy. I can relate. I want to FaceTime with you because I want to show you something that's not my thing. (laughs) There is a very specific incident from my own life that Naya goes through. Okay. That even just talking about it was like, just so funny and i can't believe uh my pettiness is going to be exposed in this way (laughs) how much can you foreshadow of that without giving too much away she has an interaction with an old love Uh. that could make her feel bad but instead she decides to get some petty revenge and sometimes we need that. We sometimes do. we need that. We yes. do. Yes. We do. Yes. So, so Naya's my girl. Okay. I love, I love Naya. I love Naya. <laughs> um, one of the new characters introduced who has perhaps caused the most of an online firestorm is Che Diaz, who ends up in a relationship with one of the core four. Yes. I'll tell you what I want. I want to go someplace with you. And take off all your clothes. Really? Really. How would you describe Jade Diaz? And how would you describe all of the outcry about this fake character on a fake TV show? <laughs> I, To me, Jay is like a version of a person that those of us in <laughs> our industry, mm-hmm. and I mean like internet people of a certain age yes that we all know like the person who is just on all the time and like a little too woke to function yes yeah i was just about to say the kind of person who turns like a coffee order into a lesson in colonialism, (laughs) right? Like we all know people like that. And I run screaming (laughs) from people like that because I hate learning and I don't want to have an important discussion when I'm just trying to like, you know, hang out with my friend. But Jay is like that turned up to a 12 And it was intentional. Mm. I don't want to give anything away. And I I think HBO would like kill me. But Che finds out, hmm, how do I say this? The artifice of Che starts to crumble in season two. And not a moment too soon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think the reaction to Che was... Honestly, surprising to me, but uh, 
I'm just gonna say there were a few hit dogs hollering. If you know, there you go. There you go. (laughs) What was the type of critique? I remember seeing. I I remember. So I was late to watch the first season of the reboot. Mm -hmm. But before I even got to it, I kept seeing Shay Diaz, Shay Diaz, Shay Diaz, Shay Diaz. And before I knew it, I was reading articles about Shay Diaz and watching clips of Shay Diaz. Before I had even enjoyed the first season of the show, people (laughs) hated Shay Diaz. They really did. I got a lot of terrible inbox mail from people who were like, you destroyed a family because (laughs) Che and Miranda hook up. And I was like, these people aren't real. They're not real. (laughs) But also, women are allowed to choose to cheat on their husbands. Like, that's... That That's life. Like, sorry if that made you insecure that every person with a pompadour walking past your wife might just snatch (laughs) her from you. But that's a you problem. Like, this happens. I think people were like, oh, this person is a clown with no soul, right? And so it was easy to kind of hate them. But I think, again, there was sort of a, bigger purpose to that which we'll see how that shifts and changes in season yeah. two yeah this like basically Che Diaz is supposed to be a caricature of themselves because it's yes. a send up of woke culture itself yeah and I think it's you know in our current like dunk culture it is so easy for people to pretend like they are or not even pretend but assume that they are smarter than the person who made the thing they're watching. Mm-hmm. Like, and like we might not be in on the joke, but it was part of the whole joke and everybody pretended that we didn't know. <laughs> More with Sam Irby after a quick break. But while we're away... Why not think about which of your friends you'd love to recommend this show to? Still haven't listened to it, have you? Carrie, I love you to death, but I draw the line at podcasts. Or leave me a nice review on whatever podcast app you're listening to me on. Just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. Does a show like Sex in the City, to exist in 2023, does it need to do all the diversity? Does it make the show better or worse or something else? And could a show like the original Sex in the City, as white and as privileged as it was, could it even exist today? Okay, I'm going to answer the third question yes. first. Yes. And say that Succession is <laughs> Sex in the City on steroids with <laughs> no boning. <laughs> it's so you know true. what I mean? We it's don't so police true. we don't police like the prestige stuff in yeah. this way. Yeah. We don't uh critique the programs men like to watch mm. in this way. So I think it could exist. I don't want to speak for all black people, so I'll just speak for most black people. Yes. And say that we know how to watch stuff with no 
black people in it. I've been watching white folks as long as I've been I, alive. I mean, for real. Like, I'm 40. Let me clarify that I'm 43 years old. <laughs> so <laughs> I have been watching TV for a long time. But this idea that we simply turn away or can't understand if there's not a Black person on screen is so, like, infantilizing and condescending. I hate that. We watch white stuff all the time. I don't think that regular people are queuing up their Netflix or whatever and being like, this show better have some Black people in it. You know, not regular people. Well, And there's also this reality in which we know at this point that white people will watch Black stuff too. As long as Blackish was on ABC, its viewership was two-thirds white. Yes. Seriously. Yes. I watched Queen Sugar. Yeah. I mean, that was my jam. And I know a lot of white people who watched Queen Sugar as well. So I don't think diversity is bad, obviously. But I think... The idea that you have to pick one from every, a person from every category, yeah. I don't think you do. Well, and that's, <laughs> it's not how life works. Like, no, I know how isn't. I live my life. I love all kinds of folks and I've had all kinds of friends. But sometimes this shit is just geographically specific. When yes. I lived in San Antonio, Mm-hmm. I had more Latino friends than when I lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't like I was counting my roster every few weeks to like make sure it was all in place. I know. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, what are we? 13% of the population? Yeah. There's just not gonna be we one can't of be us in every show. Yes. Like it's I I watch Yellowstone and I know you and Aunt Betty do too. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this is like conditioning from having grown up with whatever TV we watched coming up. But like I don't think now where's the black rancher exactly you know this is a story yeah. about white people in montana I, yeah i understand that there's only Let the one. whites white <laughs> yes yes so yeah. that's what i want to talk about so we both agree that like diversity just to say you did diversity sometimes feels dumb falls yeah. flat i remember yeah. when linda dunham brought on donald glover for uh. a two-episode arc in season two of girls <laughs> After the accusations of whiteness. And I said, of course, these girls in Brooklyn, in fucking Bushwick, of course, they're all white. Let them okay, be. Can we talk about that? Because. Yes. Yes. All like, of let her them friends be. look the way I expected her friends to look. If, yes. like, on episode three, she was like, my girl Shanice is coming over. I'd be like, <laughs> no. Shanice knows better than to run with girls like Lena and, and, and freaking girls. This is the thing. It's like, it has to feel natural. And so yes. I'm wondering, as someone who writes on a show that has actually tried diversity, how do you do it and not make sure it's just random box checking? And, mm-hmm. and, and, not, and how do you make sure it's not Donald Glover on season two of Girls? Well, I think... Two things. One, everybody doesn't just jump in the friend boat immediately, right? Yeah. You see them kind of like Miranda and Naya. And I know a lot of people said that like hair scene was cringeworthy. Please just forget that I ever said anything about your hair. Hair has nothing whatsoever to do with uh, appropriateness or intelligence or gravitas, obviously. 
But there is a certain type of woman, Miranda's age, who wants to be good, mm-hmm. wants to get it right, wants to know oh, yeah. pronouns. And you can see them actively learning in society. In real time. Right? And like, they will tell you, you how they're see, learning. Oh, my God. They won't yes, let you know. <laughs> yes. Do not walk into a bookstore with a 55-year-old liberal white lady <laughs> looking at the nonfiction <laughs> table because she will talk to you for hours about, Literally. like, Ibram X. Candy or whatever. And, and before you know it, she's crying and talking to you about how she used to date Jamal in grad school and where is he now? <laughs> Listen, that's I, not my ministry. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. But like, yes. that is, it's so weird because like culturally, it's like, yes, you should be doing this. You should be learning more about black stuff or brown stuff. And then it's like, when they do, and we're they like, stumble, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's. I'm like, well, what? What? Do How do you, we do it? What do you do? What? What do you want? So I think the thing that makes it work to me is that they all have reasons to be mm. friends. Yeah. Miranda's an older student in Naya's class. Of mm-hmm. course, if she stays after for office hours or whatever, they're going to talk about being actual adults mm-hmm. because like Naya talks mostly to 20-year-olds all day. Mm-hmm. That felt organic. Speaking of which, what is happening with all these books? It's all available online. A Kindle weighs nothing. I, I know, but I just actually like to turn the pages when I'm reading. Your old school. Seema, same thing. Like, this is my realtor. She found me a place. But also, she's hot and cool. And my She's hot and rich dead. and cool. Of course, she runs yeah. in those circles. Yeah. yeah. So I feel... And, and then the same with LTW. They're both parents at the same hoity-toity school. She's not just a stellar mom and killing it at school. She's also on the board at the Met. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that felt natural, too. It wasn't just like, oh, I tripped in Central Park and fell over a black and lady. Whoa. And now we're best <laughs> friends. Yeah. And thinking about how shows and how creatives can do this right... Were there any moments in the creation of And Just Like That where you were like, or even seeing it back in the episodes that are out now, where you like, mm, that DEI was clunky? Were there any moments where you have been like, I wouldn't have done it this way with And Just Like That? <laughs> the, the only thing I would have, and I don't even say this as a criticism, maybe it's just the lack of my uh, art curiosity but uh the dinner party scene with w- the paintings in terms of art i can't think of a better investment than what lisa has selected here really the gordon parks photographs are amazing and the one by carrie may weems and i don't even know if from a diversity standpoint that felt weird or if it was just like with these people just be sitting around the table talking about art. And it's like, yeah, they probably <laughs> would. Uh, not mm-hmm. my friends because they're dirt bags. But yeah, that that scene is one. And I don't feel like I heard a whole lot of criticism of it. So the problem could be me. But like, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I don't know. It felt like, and again, even within that scene, the clunkiness to me feels 
organic. Nothing is more grumpy. awkward yeah, yes. than going into a party where you don't know people, you feel like you mm-hmm. have to perform, you feel mm-hmm. like you have to impress. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's clunky no matter the race. So yeah. I don't know. I think... I don't know what universe people live in where <laughs> you just meet someone and y'all are like, you know, soulmates from day mm-hmm. one and you get along and all your friend groups mesh and meld easily. That doesn't happen to people I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we yeah. tried to add, I mean, like Naya's suspicion of Miranda in the beginning just little things that are like, okay, mm-hmm. I see you trying to be my friend, but I got to feel you out. There you so, go. So I, I yeah. think like life is clunky, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So do you also think though, because what I want to do a lot of times is tell these white showrunners, baby, it's okay. You're white. Your world is white. The worlds of fiction you create are white. Let it be white. Well, let's let's frame it this way yeah. um, so people don't get mad. If everybody's white and everyone in the writer's room is white, whatever, who cares? I just don't want to hear what dialogue you write for that lone Black person or how you construct a life for them. So mm-hmm. just leave them out. <laughs> like, there you go. If you're shoving in a character who wouldn't organically fit, and you're not familiar with people, like Black people, brown people, whatever. I mean, resist the pressure to do a diversity There you go. Higher, exactly. You know? but exactly. I, and I think part of that would be easier or better if, like, more POC things were being greenlit. greenlit. You know, if, if yeah. we could make... Our own shows, she well, said, yeah. after having two different shows <laughs> rejected after being <laughs> in development. Well, and I think that whenever we have these TV conversations, all of the onus typically falls to the writers because we're like, well, they're making the show. But mm-hmm. the executives can solve a lot of these problems. Who are yes. the executives greenlighting? What do they choose to continue? What do they choose to promote? Like, yeah. it's about and the And what did they too. let you put in the show? I think that's a go. thing that, like, your average person doesn't know which i didn't know until i started doing it but like somebody at the top of hbo oh, they're has giving to notes, sign baby. off yes they're giving notes on everything and like severe notes like sometimes yeah. they'll i've heard stories of them telling a creative who wrote a show with a trans lead they're like we like the show but make the lead not trans like that level of note oh yeah i do believe i heard once about uh <laughs> my own work <laughs> If this was about a skinny white woman, we'd snatch it right <laughs> Whoa! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Listen. They didn't say it in that exact words, but that's what they were saying. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I get it. I get it. You don't want to give somebody millions of dollars to make a thing that nobody's going to watch. Like, For I understand. Sure. But I think, you know... If they have an extra million or so sitting around Come on. for other people to make things, there that would be great. Be nice. Just yes. to try. Just I to wish try. There was, I wish 
wish there was a network that was like the trying it out channel. Well, as soon as you make something like the creative arts exist in a corporate structure, mm-hmm. the people in charge of it are not creatives. They're corporates. Yes. And their incentives are different. I, yeah. You know, on that theme, when y'all were making And Just Like That and even responding to critique of season one of And Just Like That, were there notes about how you were handling these characters of color either from the top or from the audience that you incorporated into season one or season two? Uh, season one, no. At least okay. not that I know of. But I think in season two, particularly in regard to Chase, and I hate this word, I hate that I have to say it, journey. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll see that we heard what everyone said. Look, girl, everybody heard that. <laughs> Che Diaz was trending across the globe. (laughs) Isn't that, I mean, that's wild. wild. It's wild. so wild. I just, who knew? Who knew? I didn't, I mean, (laughs) I didn't. Who knew? Who knew? When Michael told us about the character, and this is, of course, before Sada signed on to play them. Mm Mm-hmm. You could knock me over with a feather if you would have told me then that, that, that this was going to be thing. the most polarizing yeah. character on yeah. TV. I just, I wild. didn't, nobody saw that coming, wow. I don't think. What comment from the public around Che Diaz in season one most turned into a note that y'all took and like adapted that character into? I think that Che's personality... Mm-hmm. and comedy style were unbearable. First mm. of all, like, shout out to Glad for helping <laughs> write Chase stand-up set. It's so oh, funny. really? It's just like all this little wow. stuff nobody knows. Yeah, like we have- I didn't know that. There's, we ha- I mean, speaking of diversity, we, you know, we sat through many trainings. Wow. And many meetings. And there oh, were- Oh, my goodness. There were overseers from Glad who helped- Not like, overseers. <laughs> not, not plantation. <laughs> I didn't mean overseas. Glad in that said we coming oh, we coming to the Rainbow Plantation, y'all. <laughs> Sam, we- if I had said that to somebody white, they wouldn't have gone to <laughs> Listen. But you know, you I call could, in yeah. consultants no, to make totally. sure you're doing everything totally. right. Totally. And like to have all of it be like, you know, the writers messed this up. It's like, well, There's we a had whole ecosystem. Help. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we had help. Yeah. But um taking the criticism and using it to sort of we get to see what's under the polished uh, like che has a big bad moment and Mm -hmm. then it requires that they sort of get down to who they really are and less of the constant radio host mm-hmm. like morning mm-hmm. drive radio host like hey mm-hmm. welcome back it? to blah, blah, blah. like there's uh-huh. they lose that after like a crushing event happens totally. and then you get to see the real person the real put them. themselves back together it okay. i i th- i mean i don't want to put too fine a point on it but it's great <laughs> i love it i love it Samantha Irby, 
always a pleasure. Let's find a way to have you come back on in three more weeks. Why not? This okay. is fun. I'll be here. We, yes. can, we can. You can recap the episodes and tell me what you hated about them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will reflexively apologize for everything and try to explain to you what we were trying oh. to do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We had Sam on last month to talk about her new book, Quietly Hostile. Go check it out. She is the best, and the book is great. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. All right, listeners, we are back next Tuesday, just like that, with a brand new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves. Bye. I have to go do a podcast. They're like jury duty now. Yeah. Yeah. 